Welcome. You've made it tough shit. The podcast puts first world problems into perspective. We're your hosts. I'm Corey. Oh, I'm <laughs> I'm concerned. I'm looking at that you. my Chromebook, the dock that's open right now, just continually says saving, which makes me think maybe I'm not connected to your Wi-Fi. That's so, a possibility. But it's okay, because whatever's there is there. Well, you so, should stop docking with your laptop. I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> when somebody first told me what docking was, I spent a lot of time thinking about the logistics of it. <laughs> Can you look, imagine, like, don't look that up, by the way. Well, okay, let's. I'll say one thing. Like, one of you would have to have an especially baggy foreskin for it to work. Is all I'm you saying. You would have to have your foreskin. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, I think not, most people in North America don't. No, that's what I'm saying. So it's like, anyway. How, how likely is that to happen? <laughs> Welcome to Dickskin Podcast. I'm all right. Chris. Yeah, this is Chris, old, old Dickskin man here, <clears throat> and you have made it to tough shit. It has been a long time, but you're getting yourself a full episode today. You lucky bastards. October was and, our last well, that's not, topic. Huh? Our last topic. I was topic. trying to be inclusive and say bitches, too. And bastards and bitches. But bitches that's and derogatory. <clears throat> okay. So I take it back. I'm clearly offended. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So first full episode. Uh, let's see here real quick off the top. We have an Instagram at TS podcast official. We post a picture over there for every new thing we do. God, why does this seem so quiet? Does this seem quiet? I don't know. I really like the sound of it. I don't know. The settings are the same, right? I haven't touched it. I don't think. Let's not talk. Ever since I fucked with it, it's pissing me off. (laughs) All right. So yeah, we have a Instagram at TS podcast official. Go give us a follow all that bullshit. Uh, follow us on Spotify or Pandora or all those places. Uh, leave us a rating or review. That'd be awesome. Uh, real quick, we do have an anchor link in the show notes. But uh, if you want to, you can. But we're not going to push it anymore. We'll get, in, we'll get into that at the end of this I've episode. I've bullied Corey too much on his shilling. And he feels embarrassed and ashamed of himself. And he's decided not to shill anymore. No, no. <laughs> I, I mean, it would be worth it if it was, you know, sustainable. <laughs> So, but if you want to give us money, go yeah, for it. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to, but as far as uh, announcing it and promoting it, I'm not going to go ahead with that anymore. We'll talk about it at the end of the show. Big announcement at the end of the show. So yes. stay tuned. Listen to our shitty episode. Or just fast forward to the end and be like, what do these fucking losers Don't have do to do that. No, listen to it. So, yes. Um, let's see what else. We have a. We try to do a Q&A episode every quarter. Probably not going to get one this quarter. <laughs> I checked the email. There is no question. What the fuck? So, yes, if you want to, you can send us questions over on our Instagram or at Tough Shit the Podcast. If I sent the questions in, would you still do it? I mean, you ask me questions all the time anyway during the show. Okay. Never mind. Well, whatever. All right. So, yeah. uh, Let's see. What was it? Tough Shit the Podcast at gmail.com. Send us a question there if you'd like. We'll do an episode on it eventually. And share the show. It's free. So, as I talked about, this is our first full-topic episode since October. It's been a long time coming. It's been a very long time. It's been since October. Hey, tell me one thing. Yes. Can you tell that I didn't trim my mustache the other day when I trimmed my beard? Yes. Your mustache is noticeably burly. Okay. But it doesn't... Does it look obnoxious? Not yet. Okay. Another week or two, you'd be getting there. Okay. So, I've got these trimmers that... Because my nose is so big... I can't get my mustache the same length as the rest of my face because mm-hmm. like the little clippers just go up my nose. Yeah. So I've just decided not to trim my mustache anymore. So I was just I've been feeling self conscious about it. 
You should do what I used to do with my beard and uh, go on. Hose it off. No, I'm going fucking Amish. Jesus <laughs> no Christ. mustache. Food catcher. It took me pushing 40 to finally grow a full mustache. So, all right. So, yes. Anyway, we're into it. The topic today is hobbies. Uh, most people in the modern world have one. In fact, I see having a hobby as a sign that your life's going okay, and thus you have time for a hobby. Unless you're one of those people who get fanatical about it and let it ruin your life, uh, trying to go pro in something there isn't much of a market for, or something to that effect. Also, this kind of falls in with the uh, New Year's theme. Uh, a lot of people do start new hobbies at the start of the new year. That's that's a pretty common thing. Like, hey, I'm going to take up this, or I'm going to start doing that, like hobby-wise. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, right? I had a more cynical <laughs> <anything>? take. <laughs> okay. What? Every, every day is a hobby. Everybody has fucking everything. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has a lot of – I think everybody has too many hobbies now because it's just, just a oh, lot of leisure sure. time. Yeah, myself included. I have a ton of hobbies. Oh, I, I, but yes. it doesn't. It doesn't take New Year's for me to start a new one and then forget about it. I do that all the time. I know you don't need New Year's, but I, think I have a whole list of them. That is a lot of. That is a common New Year's thing. It's the usual, you know, uh, get fit or quit smoking or whatever the case is. But uh, starting a new hobby, generally one that's productive or Technically, healthy for you. Smoking is a hobby. So if you didn't, if you quit, a that habit. would be quitting your hobby. Oh, it is a habit. Okay. Yeah. Both H's. Yeah. <laughs> Close. Would you like the definition? Oh yeah, sure. Tell me what a fucking hobby is. Let me see if I've been doing it right. For all these okay. Days. Okay. An activity done regularly in one's leisure time for pleasure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could be a masturbator. I'm a hobbyist. <laughs> I'm a hobbyist masturbator. <laughs> uh, too many hobbies will make you go blind. Uh, <laughs> oh shit. Okay, so some of the first world complaints, uh, like I stated earlier, a hobby can be a real uh, can be really amplified in the first world because it's something that you do have time to do. Uh, if you genuinely genuinely have a difficult life. You probably don't have many hobbies. Yeah, that was kind of like the almost of a pitfall with like picking a topic for to go along with like the actual mission statement of the show because mm -hmm. yeah, technically a hobby means yeah things are going pretty well. It's like our camping episode. Like why the fuck? Like I should never complain for the rest of my life because I go disc golfing with that logic. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah, because that's your hobby. That's something yes. you do, but you still get mad disc golfing. Well. Fun mad. <laughs> I hear you. Know? Yeah, fun mad. I do get pretty dramatic about it. I've fallen over several times. I had my best game ever two weeks ago. I heard. Four over par. Yeah. And then last week. And you won, right? right? You... I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Super proud. I am. Um, let's see what else. Uh, people can really go overboard and make basic hobbies really expensive or let it get to a point where it bothers them, or you have too many hobbies to keep up with, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a bunch of things that first world hobbies can really uh, get in the way of things if you let them. So was that your personal story involving hobbies? You well, I got a whole pile. It depends on how long you want me to talk. Well, we're only like not even 10 minutes in. So you I, I, have, I have a short story. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, personal story related to hobbies. Uh, let's see. I have plenty of hobbies, and I try to keep them limited the older I get because in true first-world fashion, having too many hobbies can be a problem. Let's see. But between reading, hunting, metal detecting, 
target shooting, podcasting, traditional archery, playing video games, hiking, and other shit that I probably forgot to mention here. I have plenty of things to do. Speaking of plenty, if you if that was like a plenty of fish account, you'd be fucked. Not fucked. Nobody would talk to you. <laughs> you're lucky you're married. Plenty of fish. I think uh, what are the kids using these days? Bumble and Tinder? I thought Snapchat, but then I had a younger man recently has explained to me that that's not what Snapchat is for. I thought it was only to send pictures of dicks. Uh, maybe I don't. No, know. I guess it's just how kids communicate now. Uh, yes, yeah, that's a that's a social media thing. Uh, anyway, <laughs> short of my plenty of fish profile, <laughs> all those things. Yes, I do a ton of things. But years ago, I used to golf regular golf, not fucking disc golf like fucking Arnold armless. Disc golf is way better than regular golf. It's free. I agree. Yeah. I would. I still need to try it, but I already like it more than regular. I'll golf. tell you what. You take silhouettes of disc golfers and regular golfers, mm-hmm. and you'll see the difference. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of Alfred Hitchcock golfers. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> well, well, well put. Yes. Okay. So I used to golf, and when I did, I got to the point where I started to take it too seriously, and I let it bother me, and I would get mad. And fucking throw clubs and break them and throw a tantrum and like get mad. Oh, you've used to golf with me, like yeah, you've, you've watched me snap clubs, yeah. And so I got to that point and I was like, you know what? I have enough fucking hobbies. I'm gonna quit golfing and wasting my time with golf. So I just well, quit. there's just certain things that I think people are expected to do, and like you do it as a group. Like we always did it as a group. Like we did. You're yeah. a young man. You're supposed to go out golfing on Fridays. That's what everybody did. Like yep. you're supposed to go golfing. Like you're supposed to pee standing up, but you don't need to. You can sit down if you want to. I you don't have to golf. That's a poor comparison, but whatever. <laughs> you ever pee sitting down on a golf course? Probably. It draws a lot of attention. I probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think you did. Anyway, uh, so let's see. Uh, yeah, I said fuck that hobby, and that was it. Uh, and I know a lot of people love to golf, and more power to you, but it's not for me. So there you go. Is that well, your personal story? Yeah, yeah. What do you What do you got involving your first world hobby issues? Hobbies for me: one, podcasting. Yeah. Two, disc golf. So because it's something that doesn't make any money, but you dig it, right? Essentially, okay. yeah. Podcasting, disc golf, axe throwing, video games, books. Uh, I have walking, hiking, soap making. Um, oh, and then I have strategizing bowel movements, which can really. I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. like you. Re- I got a plan uh-huh. anymore. Um, I have the bowels of a 78 year old man, and you I have guess, you have for the last 20 years. But then I, yeah, I know. I and then like I wrote because I had like nine, ten hobbies wrote down. And then I wrote at the end. And how many of these are you good at? <laughs> And really, I, the only thing I could pick is like, well, I'm good at reading. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. about it. Words? I'm good at I'm good, I'm good at reading. I'm not bad at video games. Yeah. Hey, I got it. Oh, it's because it's this is a hobbies episode, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a big hobby of mine. I love yep. video games, obviously. So I was thinking, let's just take some time this weekend. This is our recording weekend. I'm gonna get serious. Just take like two hours and put the fucking work in and get a good start on Dead Space the remake. <laughs> and I. Didn't do it. I know. You told me about you're going to sell your. I was. It was actually very embarrassing. My whole day yesterday was embarrassing. Yeah. So I decided not to buy Dead Space right away because it's $70 and that's Mm -hmm. crazy. And listen, I'm not well to do. 
But I'm not a fucking poor person. <laughs> if I want, <laughs> you if could I want, swing it. If yes. you wanted to, if I wanted to, out of principle, it. you're not. I'm doing a lot of stuff for the house. I'm like, I don't need to do it right now. Whatever. So, yesterday morning, I get up, I'm like, fuck, I got all these. I got 16 physical copies. Nobody has physical copies of games anymore. I do. I'll fucking <laughs> well, the other than you, I'll, I'll turn them in. Maybe I'll get some cash from them, and then I'll buy Dead Space. Yeah. So I just like it. Yesterday was like a time machine. I'm on my way. I just got my brakes checked. They're fine, mm-hmm. but they're really squeaky. <laughs> so I'm driving through the Walmart parking lot in my car that's 10 years old that I haven't cleaned in a long time. Every time I touch the brakes, just... <laughs> and I got a shopping bag full of old video games. I haven't had a haircut in two months. I can stumble into GameStop like a zombie and just, what can I get for these? And... <laughs> Turns out what I can get is thirty dollars. Yeah. But that I hope he isn't a listener. That I doubt son it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I he said, really pissed you off. Well, didn't he? I said, I want to get dead space. That's awesome, man. And he's like, We got a copy left. I'm like, sweet. What am I gonna get for these? And so he and he says, What's your power up fucking reward thing? I'm getting somewhere with this. Your number. I'm like, I don't know the number. He's like, No, your phone number. Like, okay, give me my phone number. He's like, Chris I said, Yes, I'm Chris. And he's like <laughs> Well, your uh, account's expired. Oh, <laughs> I figured it was. It's like, yeah, it's too bad because you got like $145 on here. Uh, like, what the fuck do you mean I got money on there? He's like, yeah. I said, like, can I use it? I'm like, nope. Why did you tell me then? <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's just twisting the knife there. I try to get a new subscription. So I get all of it done. Like, I don't care. I'm going to play Dead Space. He opens the drawer. He's like, yeah, there's no copies left. <laughs> Did he, he told you there was one, though? Yeah. Wow, that's just cruel. I think he was so, just... So, we don't have a copy, and here's money you can't spend. It's actually better for the show, though, because I actually wrote a sh- story for the day instead of playing Dead Space all weekend. That is that is a solid first-world experience with a hobby, what yeah. you just went through. Yeah. You poor man. <laughs> Finally, yeah. <laughs> I got a whole thing on here. I was going to like rail against the new Saints Row, but I'm just going to keep it. I'll tone it down. Okay. I guess that's as far as I've got for... Oh, can I have one more? Whatever. One more. Yeah, sure. This is your hobbies, <clears throat> podcasting. I was so excited. I thought I was the smartest man easily on this road. The other day, I came up with a great idea yeah. to do a podcast with Mandy on the Gilmore Girls. Because obviously the Gilmore Girls is on constantly in her house. Yeah. And I was going to listen to this. I was going to call it Gilmore Gab. Gilmore Gab. Yeah, because it's just like we watch an episode and talk about it. And you feel like a smart person because that's what came to mind. Yes. So it turns out there's dozens of Gilmore Girl podcasts, and at least three of them I found are called Gilmore Gab. So oh, they shot that, that That's down. really hard to believe. Not that I need one more hobby, but I was really pumped about that one. <laughs> so. I don't think I have anything else. <clears throat> okay. Uh, yeah. So hobbies. You all have one, probably. If you're listening to this podcast, hey, listening to podcasts could be a hobby. Yeah, okay. I'll add that sure. one. Music, that's another big one. Like, I, I'm into music a lot. I if like you're listening. hobbying yourself right now, to pause uh, this and finish. Giving, and then giving come myself back. a hobby under the table. <laughs> okay. All right. So, we do have some stories related to hobbies, uh, loosely getting them into against the first world, or I don't know. I've lost where I was going with that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. All right. So I checked it. In in October, our last episode, last full one, uh, you went first. So I get to go first. Well, lucky you. Yeah. This is short. So 
All right. Would you like to get into it, sir? Yes. What's the name of yours? Story. Okay. Oh, wait. You know what? <clears throat> uh, all right. I got one. Okay. Did you just come up with it yep, on the fly? On the fly. Okay. It's called The Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs Wrote a Song About This. Okay. I like The Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> As you load those high-end golf clubs into the back of your vintage muscle car that has been waxed at least six times this year, you notice the bracket holding your mountain bikes to the ceiling in your garage is loose. In an attempt to repair it quickly... Because it's been a whoring around with all the other mountain bike holders. <laughs> yeah. In an attempt to repair it, uh, you trip over your saltwater fishing poles while trying to get the ladder and wipe out into your totes full of camping equipment. You angrily stand up and brush yourself off just in time for the bikes to break free from the ceiling and fall straight for your head. At the last second, you dive safely out of the way, landing onto a pile of Funko Pop figures. Your hobbies almost finished you off. And today, you're going to learn about one unlikely hobby that did, in fact, finish some people off. So boot scoot your butt into your favorite chair and get ready to cut loose as you learn about the vile display known as dance marathons. Oh, hey, what a fucking perfect segue. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, Lorelai and Rory, they won a dance contest. A dance um, marathon. Not like these. Oh, okay. So it's not. this isn't a Gilmore <laughs> Girls thing at all? No. Okay. Actually, I think they won it. Mandy will tell me when I get back. Oh, okay. I'm sure the, the one of our 30 listeners who might know will... Will write in. Yeah, right, <laughs> right into our email. Send us an email. It's probably one of those that. six people that donate money and like they just <laughs> retracted it. <laughs> The number's shrinking. One dollar a month? And that's okay. All right. So one popular hobby that's a staple of the New Year, New Me crowd is taking up dancing, be it tap, ballroom, belly, or whatever retarded TikTok dance trend is going on now. People have just always felt a need to move and groove. And in 1920s America, people were ready to start to have some fun and live it up. Post-World War I America was a pretty optimistic place to be. People were ready to move on from cutting through trenches in Central Europe to cutting rugs on the dance floor. Though the U.S. government had recently banned the sale, sale and possession of alcohol at this point in time, which, as you know, had no negative effects involving crime, cronyism, or corruption. Absolutely not. Yeah, the American people were still ready to have fun and be entertained. Throughout the 1920s, feats of endurance were becoming a popular spectacle amongst the nation. Be it flagpole sitting, multi-day bike races or a plethora of other wacky events. It didn't... What? What's flagpole sitting? Come on. What? It's exactly what it sounds so like. So they put like their butt on the top of it? They would climb to the top of a flagpole and sit there for days <gasps> and weeks. You've never heard anything. So about- was there like a round ball on the top of it? Usually. Okay, so it's not just pointy. No, they didn't just have a flagpole up anus their ass. What that's, <laughs> that's what I was getting at. <laughs> that's what I was on. beating around the bush for. Yeah, yeah, these these guys went up and sat on a flagpole just to They'd show been how the far trenches their ass with it could a bunch go. of other men for like 4 years, oh 2 years. God. So, I mean, <laughs> no, it was just a fucking weird endurance thing. There was a ton of stupid shit like this going on. That's a very human thing to just see something like, yeah, I could sit on that probably for a while. Exactly. Huh. Okay. So, yeah, this type of dumb shit was going on. So, uh okay, it didn't take long for dancing to get into the endurance spotlight. In 1923, a couple in England danced for seven hours nonstop, thus kicking off dancing endurance competitions. 
and not wanting to be shown up by some blokes from across the pond, the U.S. did what the U.S. does best, and that is go completely overboard. Within a few years, every major city across the U.S. was hosting some type of dancing marathon. So it was a big thing, it, to the point where, like, any city with at least 50,000 people had a major one. That's amazing. Yeah. I like this. Okay. Yeah. The premise of these events was simple. Two people sign up and dance as long as possible, while music played and onlookers watched them cut loose. Uh, with each contestant getting approximately a 15-minute break every hour to rest and relieve themselves. Uh, <laughs> if it, <laughs> what? See, you'd have to strategize your ball. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> you'd have to wear a diaper. <laughs> I could just. I got that whole bag of discreets at home, <laughs> looking like a little kid, <laughs> stopping, kind of moving, like, oh, he's shitting. I mar I marvel at how Ginny can not poop right before bed and go all night. Uh, my mind. What a, what a gift. Okay, so uh, if a dancer's knees hit the floor, they would be disqualified. Uh, but like any new trend that took off, it didn't take long for it to get out of hand. Couples became famous for breaking records and making names for themselves throughout the country by dancing for absurd amounts of time. And what started as a fun little endurance event quickly morphed into something dangerous and deadly. Venues began <clears throat> to offer cash prizes to the winners of dance marathons, thus giving young couples some extra incentive to give it their all. Uh, the marathons quickly went from lasting hours to lasting days to lasting weeks and then months. No fucking way. Months. Wow. Couples would literally eat and sleep while they danced. They would shave and do other various tasks that you and I take for granted every day. Did while they ever dancing. clean themselves? If they could in 15 minutes. No shit. Okay. Yep. Uh, they had worked out strategies to hold up the other one while they napped. Um, they would also hide pins in their hands so they could prick their partner if they began to doze off. Uh, that, and they would also just straight up slap the other one across the face in front of a crowd of wow. people. Yep. Just keep them awake. Uh, the competitors' feet would often become calloused, bloodied, and bruised as they danced for days on end with only getting short amounts of time to rest. The audience would throw change at their favorite couples and make side bets with other patrons. Event goers would also hoot and holler to try to keep their dancers awake or to discourage the competition. Uh, fist fights within the crowd w was a fairly common occurrence. So, no shit. Yeah, I, I think there was one thing quoted saying like, a dance marathon was successful if there was no arrests. It actually finished. <laughs> and, like, I can't remember what the whole the last one was, but. So yeah. there's this is kind of like there's a reason that dancing was outlawed in Footloose. Well, I'll, I'll touch on that. But back then, like, dancing was still seen as a sin in a lot of places. That's right. So, all right. Uh, but these depraved spectacles soon began to draw negative attention from local governments after some high-profile deaths hit the marathon circuit. After dancing for 87 hours straight, a man collapsed Holy dead. Holy fuck. Collapsed dead on the dance floor. Yeah. Uh, you got it coming. Yeah, yeah. that fucking stupid. Yeah, did, did you catch what? the uh, yeah, yeah, yeahs thing yet? Dead on the dance floor? Off with their heads. Dance, dance till you're dead. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Okay, no, that yeah, went over my roll. head. Well, you know, because okay. I keep thinking about the. I'll wait till afterward. All I right. got something to say. <clears throat> so, dead on the dance floor. On another occasion, after dancing for 19 days straight, another contestant attempted to commit self-sleep 
uh, due to the fact that they only came in fifth place at one of these marathons. You say self-sleep? Yeah. Like killing yourself? Yeah. That's the softest way I've ever heard suicide uh-huh. referred to. Yeah. Did you come up with that? No, I've heard people use it online. People so. say soft sleep? Self-sleep. Self-sleep. Yeah. Why? A lot of people do that on YouTube so they don't get demonetized. Oh. oh. Yeah. Because if they say suicide, they'll get demonetized? There's a strong possibility, yeah. Really? Yeah. Depending hmm. in the context, like most things. Uh, so, yeah. They tried to commit self-sleep because they came in fifth place. Uh, many cities and states began to outright ban dance marathons in their locations due to the negative press. Uh, thus leading some venues to go just outside the city to quote-unquote virgin towns to set up new marathons. Uh, But despite the bans against the marathons and dead or injured contestants, the people still wanted more and were still willing to pay to see these nutty couples dance themselves to zombification. Now, once the Roaring Twenties petered out and became the depressing Thirties, things got even worse. With thousands of Americans newly unemployed, the prospect of winning a few hundred bucks by winning some silly dance marathon became a dangerous option. The number of contestants and audience members went up significantly for these callous carnivals. That's what they were called. Callous carnivals. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, That was one of the, like, well, it was a nickname for them, I guess. Okay. Uh uh, let's see. Event coordinators also found loopholes for the bands by loopholes. Loophole. Uh, loopholes by labeling the events as walkathons. They also did that in more conservative areas due to the notion that dancing at the time was still being seen as a sin. Okay. So they, in some of these wood, they would just start walking as with the couples uh, doing laps. I'll talk about that. Um, so this way, the show could still go on throughout the 30s. Bunch of desperate people. Dancing themselves to death. Yeah, it takes the fun out of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't dance very often, but like occasionally, Mm -hmm. like if it's like an EDM. You don't want to dance like this. No. No. And I only do it for a few seconds at a time because of my knees. Quick little burst. (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) Ha. Yeah, I got those white boy moves. (laughs) All right. Uh, Hundreds of contestants flocked to the local dance marathons to dance themselves to exhaustion. And there was one, but there was one silver lining to signing up for one of these competitions, especially in the 30s. That being a roof over your head and 12 square meals a day. They fed you 12 times. Oh. Because every hour you fucking could eat. They offered anything. Like, well, within reason. Uh, Let's see. Having those basic things be a guarantee to a person in the 30s was a small victory in itself. So that's why there's a ton of people signing up. So technically, they were professional dancers. There Technically, was, well, I'll, I'll get right? in, yeah, I'll, I'll touch on that too. Um, uh, let's see, having the basic thing. All right, so usually with the help of sponsors, venues would gladly feed and house all contestants as they dance their feet into hamburger day after day. <laughs> Some venues were also shady as fuck. They would plant professional marathon dancers within the amateur crowds so they wouldn't have to pay the full prize amount at the end of the event. So they just give them some of the money and keep the rest. Yep. Ah. Yeah. And some people would get sponsored if you went in as a couple. Like, if you went in freelance, you'd have some shop sponsor. you just have to wear okay. their shirt. Uh, so it was kind of neat. They would try to make a little extra coin that way. Let's see. <clears throat> uh, but like any fad, the dance marathon began to lose popularity. Uh, so event promoters started to incorporate some pretty unethical events during the marathon to eliminate the competition quickly and get more paying customers through the doors. Uh, The following are a few examples. Grinds. A grind was a period of time where they uh, 
where they would have no rest periods. That 15 minutes, gone. Oh, yeah. You just fucking ground it out. This is after days of dancing. Uh, let's see. Uh, couples were not allowed to talk, slap, or poke their partner during a grind. There was something called the zombie treadmill, where contestants were blindfolded and chained together, then forced to race around the dance floor. <gasps> figure eight races, where contestants would run in a figure eight pattern as a couple on the floor, trying not to collide with one another. Like those bus things. Yeah, like a D-Derby. No shit. Yeah. This is just malicious. Right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, pretty sadistic, really. Wow. <laughs> um, <clears throat> let's see. Where was I? Okay. And several other diabolical means to eliminate racers. It was quite a sadistic display. All right. By the end of the dance marathon craze of the 20s and 30s, hundreds of people had done irreversible damage to their bodies. Contestants were cheated out of prize money. Many unruly attendees had gotten arrested. And some unfortunate souls literally danced until they were dead. Fortunately, by the beginning of the 40s, the dance marathon trend had all but died in the U.S. due to the fact that the country was getting back to work and World War II had just started. Not that that's fortunate, though. <laughs> but today, the legend of uh, dance and walk marathons still lives on, but usually is some type of charity event that's only capped at like 24 hours and not 145 days, which was one of the longest recorded marathons. Oh, my God. Yeah. So next time you find yourself upset with one of your many hobbies that's meant to bring you some joy, just be glad that you have the choice to do said hobby and you don't need to do it just to get a meal while mouthy onlookers shout at you as you dance yourself crippled. The end. How many people died? I think pretty- recorded there was only a couple, but just the amount of people who passed out from exhaustion, it was insane. So in the uh, the 15 minute window when they'd let you sleep, if you didn't wake up, they'd give you smelling salt. That didn't wake you up, they'd dunk you in ice water. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Wait, so did everybody get the 15-minute break at the same time? Usually, or they stagger? yeah. Oh, wow. So I wonder if there was just one bathroom? I may- <laughs> so is it like a bunch of exhausted dancers all <laughs> Well, it was usually running? at like a big, huge venue that could accommodate a bunch of assholes. Oh, yeah. Like, like a, buttholes. Like a, like a dance hall. Oh, okay. Yeah. Crazy to think there used to be dance halls. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's still roller rinks. I'm sure there's still there's roller still rings. roller rings. I used to really enjoy that. So did any? So like, <laughs> technically, so this ended around World War II. Yeah. So people could have gotten PTSD over dancing, for sure. So like, <laughs> so like a couple decades <laughs> later on, there could have been like two old men like in a nursing home or something. I guess it'd be more than a couple decades, and like. <laughs> one, can, this is awful. One can hear like a car backfire uh, like outside, and just like it's a rifle glassy shot. eyed yeah. all of a sudden, and just like he's inside of his own head, he's back in the trenches, he's yeah. covered in his best friend's blood. And then like another guy like could just see so a dance some competition on music. TV and just like same glassy look, and he just comes back <laughs> to that one time he shit himself on a dance floor with his wife that ended up leaving oh, him. Oh God! So okay, that's uh, that's pretty wild. If you want. <laughs> Google 1920s, 30s dance marathons. The pictures are just, they're borderline disturbing. It's like watching corpses dancing. Did you ever, uh, I think I've talked about it before, because one of the shows we did, I was going to do it for that, and it didn't work. Um, The Dancing Plagues, Mm. you ever read about those? No. This is more like a 15th century thing. This happened. This was real. Um, Where, like, groups of people would just inexplicably start dancing, 
and dance themselves to death. Yeah, I. It was more of a German thing. Didn't they think there was something like bread had turned into yeah, a psychedelic was, uh, or something? Oh, yeah, it's whatever that grain is that like they can. Yeah, like, it, it has something to do with LSD. Yeah, yeah like it, it was, it was like, bad rye. Yeah, supposedly yeah, yeah. that's one of the theories. Yeah, but I don't know if they ever actually. I don't think they ever actually. I've heard it. about that. Yeah, but yeah. Look up dancing plagues. That's some fucking wild shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why dancing's a sin. What do you mean? I you thought it was because it made everybody horny. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I, I mean, I think in the twenties and thirties, I don't think they dance like they dance today. You know, like strippers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, okay. You know, like a stripper on the dance floor. I don't know how people dance today. Yeah, I don't know. You want to go dancing? Be, well, yeah, show me how to dance afterwards. Where the fuck can we go dancing around here? Your living room. Uh, no, I think with like groups of people. Oh, I don't know if there is such a... I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's places up in Buffalo that there's dancing. Yeah, probably. Not not so much in the next town. Anyway, so yeah, that was my dance marathons that were a fun hobby kind of turned deadly. Well, thanks for ruining dancing <clears throat> for everybody. No problem. <laughs> You've got anything else to add? I like no, that. that's pretty much it. Oh, yeah. Okay. You want me to go? Have at it. I got my glasses on. I see that. You look intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> Are I you? think if I wear glasses long enough, I'll get smarter. I don't think it works that way. That and, well, I was telling you earlier, I haven't been cutting my hair at all because I'm, I'm hoping it keeps brain in a little bit. I don't think that works that way either. I tell, I look really dumb. I, <laughs> you need a haircut. I do. Yeah. yeah I've if, been told. if you let your hair go another two weeks and let your beard go, you could pass as the wolf man. It's pretty bad. Yeah. It's getting silly. I might let it go a couple Does more weeks. Does it always grow back like that when it grows longer? I keep sweeping it back because I can't not. I you should let it. it grow. I know. I kind of thought the same thing. The only shitty thing is like I think I'll end up with a mullet. I already kind of have a mullet. If you, it, all right, go two years. That's what I did. I, I didn't go years. in two years. Come on, you got nicer hair than I do. I'll give you. I'll give you a hundred dollars if you I don't your need hair your hundred dollars. Okay, actually, <laughs> <laughs> it would be worth a hundred dollars to. Watch I'll tell you. you what. You convinced that son of a bitch at GameStop to give me back my hundred forty-five dollars. <laughs> I'll fucking do it. All right, you hear that, folks? We need to come up with a hundred forty-five dollars and a copy of Dead Space. Yes, yeah. and I'll do it. <laughs> He'll do it. Um, okay, what am I doing here? You're reading a story, I think. So, <laughs> mine's, uh, I, I was telling you earlier, like, I got to research in this. I did a lot of reading. And it wasn't until, like, I was set and had read a lot. And, like, this isn't really a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of your stories? Yeah. But I have a, I have an excuse in here we'll get into. I did okay. find it on a list of hobbies, so I'm just going to go with that. So, this one's called, uh, Now Hold Still. <laughs> I think it's very clever, but I guess I see that it doesn't make now sense Now hold yet. still. <laughs> I thought there was going to be more, but that's it. Now okay. hold still. Are you ready? Let's do it. Here we go. In spite of a lot of nonsense, I think that I can speak for both of us when I say that we truly do hope that our listeners have, at some point, learned something over the course of our show so far. Whether it be about gas baths, balloons, hunger strikes, the pioneering days of plastic surgery, or the bone density of the French, I feel like we've covered a lot. <laughs> Me personally, I'm practically bursting with knowledge that a couple of years ago I was almost entirely ignorant of. For instance, over the course of the show so far, I've become acutely aware that there may be something wrong with me gastrointestinally. On top of this... Just now. It took, well, over the course, slowly. (laughs) 
On top of this, I've become familiar with a feeling of embarrassment and shame that rides shotgun with telling hundreds of people that you've shit next to some railroad tracks within earshot of a FedEx driver. I can assure you, <laughs> I can assure you all that it's a very specific brand of shame that uh, <laughs> with an accurate taste that I still haven't quite brushed away. <laughs> I was thinking about all the things I remember what, saying. What was it? You were like hide shitting over the. I vaguely remember that. This is the only place to poop. It was a horrifying. Was that at your current job? Yes. Uh, it was. It was early. Relatively on, recent. It? Oh, yeah, recent? it was a couple years ago. Okay. And it was embarrassing. I don't know. You had so many fucking I wacky know. stories involving shitting uh, in weird places. God, it's just. I can't keep them straight. It's a perfect storm whenever my butt comes out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so. Some other things I've learned. I've learned that words have consequences and that because of some choice words that I've used on the show, there's a very good chance that I may never become close friends with John Cena. I finally or learned. Or anyone from France. <laughs> <laughs> I finally learned uh, what people mean when they say, think before you speak. And beyond that, I've learned that that just isn't something I feel like I want to put a lot of effort into. I've learned that, <laughs> I've learned that not only birds. <laughs> Poor French fuckers. I've I've learned that not only that uh, birds likely evolved from dinosaurs, but that the French have apparently evolved from birds. <laughs> Though the latter bit, I think, was always pretty obvious. Uh. And finally, and most relevantly to today's show, I've learned that I really, really like read. This is honest. Really like reading about Victorian era shit, like a lot. Uh huh. I just keep coming back to it. So as we'll most likely come as no big surprise, that's what we're heading back today. Specifically, mid-century and beyond. Though my immediate gravitation uh, towards the 19th century this time around like made me stop and think for a minute, why do I keep coming back to this? Okay. Uh, what's so fucking interesting about the 1800s? And I think it's this, at least for me anyways. It's just that it was so fucking silly. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. Like the Victorian area was just this... We were just getting... I mean, industrialized. Yes, and... it was a transitionary. So, so like, the, like the Victorian era was just this like perfect storm of like, yeah, huge sudden leaps forward in science, technology, and mm -hmm. social changes as well. Um, the world was becoming a smaller place, and people were taking up more and more of it. Add to this some shiny new toys and an increase in leisure time, uh, at least for some classes of folks anyway, and you've got the perfect recipe for some killer stories. Which that pun is 100% intended because like, so many fucking people died from really dumb shit back then. Yeah. You, you can refer back to our fashion episode mm -hmm. if you want to kind of get into that mayhem. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. What I'm, what I, what might I finally be getting to here? Isn't it obvious? Okay. I'll give you all a hint. What do you get when you had a thin sheet of silver coated copper, mercury fumes, and a recently dead child? Any guesses? I should know this, but go on. Well, I wrote yes, because I thought you'd get it. <laughs> so that's right, everybody. <laughs> Victorian death photography. Ah, that's it. God yes. damn it, yeah. This is something I've been aware of like for a while. but I have a just... fucking book sitting on my shelf about this. Do you really? Yeah, I haven't read it yet. Okay, we're going to get yeah. into it afterward then. Um, but yeah, it took me 500 words to get there. But yes, we're going to talk about Victorian death photography um, or post-mortem photography. A trend that you think would be long dead at this point, but believe it or not, even still occasionally claws its way back up from the grave. And uh, it was essentially it was like it was a briefly popular method of remembrance for the families of the recently deceased. Mm -hmm. And let me say right up front, if anyone is already chomping at the bit for some dead baby jokes, you're going to leave here disappointed. <laughs> 
<laughs> I've spent an alarming amount of time the past couple of weeks, especially looking at photos of dead babies. And let me not tell- as funny, huh? No, let me tell you <laughs> that like it's <laughs> it's made that particular brand of jokes that should have been long dead already especially lifeless for me. Because we did grow up listening to a lot of dead baby yeah, jokes. Yeah, I, I was never into them back then even. No, because like, it's fucking lazy. Yeah, it is. Anyway, now, before we dig into what will undoubtedly be a warm and fuzzy subject, I have to acknowledge a slight oversight on my part. Post-mortem photography may technically align more with jobs than it does with hobbies. I now know that anyone with a pulse has a camera right in their pocket, or more often than not, four inches from their face. But there was a time, not too long ago... And people with the drive and talent made a living at photography. My dad is a professional photographer. He and my mom ran a successful studio together for many years. They worked their asses off at it and raised three kids who wanted like, wanted for nothing by taking photos. Until Chris robbed him blind, snorted all the money, and moved to Guatemala. But then I came They still invite me over for dinner every Sunday. Yeah, I, I don't get it. <laughs> so, yes, like I realized that... I may be wading more into job territory here than hobbies, but I can assure you that I have an excuse. Too, too bad you didn't think of this on our jobs episode. Uh, I don't. Yeah, that's just <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking waste. Don't listen. Talk to that about shit. talk about a disappointment with your hobby. Well, they say that you can't find success without failure. So that got welcome me, that to tough shit. Big, the podcast big boost <laughs> towards success. Okay, so yeah, that excuse that I'm using. Uh, is that I'm blaming Medium.com for including death photography on a list of weird Victorian-era hobbies. Mm-hmm. And it was on the fucking list. And honestly, I was I think f- I saw that list. I, well, I'm sure we were uh, yeah. looking at the same shit. Uh, I was too far down this hole before it occurred to me that this would have to be, this would have done better as a Jabs episode for me to turn back. Though, now that I think about it, like from a serial killer point of view, taking photos of victims might fall into like the scrapbooking category. <laughs> Like I, like I Leonard guess. Lake, Charles Ng took. I think they took a bunch of photos. Yeah, Dahmer's like, big thing. Nobody's making any murder or making any money on murder victim photos until like Netflix shits out another documentary on them. So yeah, kind of a hobby. So there's that. So anyway, to help me legitimize my choice of subject for today, let's do a quick run through the honorable mentions that I largely ignored in my haste to ogle over photos of dead children. First up, and very briefly, because it's too fucking boring. This is real. Fern hunting. Did you read anything about this? No. Fern hunting. Is it exactly what it is? Ferning, if you prefer. Ferning. During the first half of the 19th century, hunting and collecting ferns was so popular. This is real. It was such a popular craze among the upper crust of England that author Charles Kingsley felt compelled to make up a whole new word for it. Terradomania, or fern madness. Huh. Yeah. That's all I have to say about fern hunting. I got bored writing that one paragraph. You want to dig a little bit more into 19th century fern hunting? Be me, be my guest. Just don't try to talk to me about it. Next up, and this uh, actually this one I can get like totally behind. Uh, cemetery picnics were all the rage. I did read about that. Yes, fucking wild. Yeah. So like I guess <laughs> while all the uppity fucking Victorian nerds were wandering around the woods. And dresses the size, of Volk, the size of Volkswagens, digging up the most boring plants on the planet. That left all the moody Victorian goths, to, goth, goths, 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 all the moody Victorian goths to spend their afternoons nibbling on finger foods six feet from a decaying corpse. <laughs> and I actually like this one. I can dig this. Pun intended. I think like I like cemeteries. I think they're pretty, and I like libraries. And like I think that a cemetery encourages people to shut the fuck up and be quiet for a minute, kind of like a library. And Ginny likes them too. 
Of course, she's not above shitting on the occasional grave every now and then. And both are a dying trend. What? Cemetery. Oh, cemetery. Yeah, that's true. And libraries. Yeah, you're absolutely right. <clears throat> yep. Um. Anyway. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and I can't say, like, I've never given it much sauce thought to eating a PB&J next to some poor dead bastard, but I can't think of any one thing that's ever really made me lose my appetite, so I guess I'd be open to it. I don't know. I'm kind of weird in cemeteries. I like walking in them. It's very uh, quiet. Yeah, I will walk. They are peaceful. Nobody but judges you. as far as, you. like, doing, like, imagine you, uh, you know, there's, there's always the whole uh, superstition thing, like, oh, don't dance on a grave or don't spit on a grave or, like, what happens when you drop a gob of peanut butter on a grave? Like, oh, sorry. I don't know. Maybe they're hungry. Been a long time. We're all skinny. I know Ginny's <laughs> definitely shit on graves a lot. I pick it up. Uh, well, at least like, you pick it up. We're not haunted. Look that at fucking, you know of. If anybody should be upset about what they do in cemetery, it's go not gophers. Wood, not, what's yeah, gopher, groundhog. Yeah, woodchucks. They fucking dig down in there and knock over headstones. Uh, yeah. All I'm doing is going for a fucking walk and having a sandwich. Anyway. Anyway, a couple more quick standouts. This one I just couldn't pass up mentioning. Apparently, anthropomorphic taxidermy was a big hit at the time. Yeah. Uh, Victorians had a pretty dark sense of humor, and taxidermy was the perfect outlet. These fuckers love dead things. Yeah. Uh, According to Mental Floss, um, memorable anthropomorphic pieces from the era depicted ice skating hedgehogs, a classroom full of rabbits, and a wedding attended by kittens decked out in highly detailed garb. The kitten one is maybe a bridge too far for me. Uh, I think that you've Got to be more than a little just touched in the head if this yeah. is like the hobby that you've chosen for yourself. I can't get the image out of my head of like a gaggle of corset clad Victorian ladies all in a circle of like unhinged grins, carefully fitting dead kittens into tiny little bridesmaids' dresses. Like if you find yourself in that situation, something's fucked. Got a few screws loose. Okay, but anyway, there's a ton more. Everything from seances, seaweed scrapbooking, making yep. jewelry from human hair. Uh, to Victorian biologists spending hundreds of hours creating kaleidoscopic works of art out of colorful single-celled organisms, which are actually pretty cool looking. That's cool. And of course- Spiritualism? Is that- Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wasn't even going to touch it, because that yeah. was mid-century, especially 1850s. kind of- That and this cross over, right? Sort of. Okay. Um, Not so much. And like, I would like to get into that sometime, because it's like, well, the Fox sisters, I mean, we're not yeah. too far from there. No. No, it's in that same vein. So- yeah, anyway, so, and of course, there was a floriography, mm-hmm. butchered that, the language of flowers, that saw Victorians creating and communicating through secret codes hidden in colorful bouquets. Even Oscar Wilde got in on all the fun, wearing a green carnation on his best, or, oh, God, I fucked it up. No, anyway. that's it. no, no one's listening. Wearing a green carnation on his chest as a signal to other gay men. The far classier Victorian version of the foot under the bathroom stall. <laughs> <laughs> the glory hole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they just did everything so fancy. But <laughs> it wasn't just an old crooked dick poking through a stall. <laughs> oh, I watched these. <laughs> All right. Uh, but it's, it's. Just put it in your mouth. <laughs> of course, the other guy's Irish. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, uh, but it's it's their obsession with death, the Victorians, that is, that bleeds through again and again when reading about Victorian leisure time. Someday we'll do an episode, we were talking about this earlier, about like true crime as entertainment, maybe another hobby show, because mm. these motherfuckers took <clears throat> armchair detective work to a whole new level that would leave even investigation discovery blushing. Uh, my brother got me a book for Christmas called The Invention of Murder, and it's all about that, that type of stuff. stuff. Yep. Um, so yeah, I would like to get into that someday. Cool. But not now. Um, for now, 
let's get into the less mysterious but equally morbid world of post-mortem photography. Nowadays, the, world, the word photography will most likely conjure thoughts of Instagram, wedding photos, vacation photos, and the abomination that is the selfie. Post-mortem photography still does exist, uh, but it's very much a niche. How would you say it? Niche or niche? niche? I've niche? heard I've heard niche. I actually had this conversation the other day. Frederick Nishi. Well, it was niche because someone said, oh, it's a niche market. I said, isn't it a niche market? I like niche better. And I think we Googled it and it said niche. Like okay. it is like the, the speaking lady at Google. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with that. that yeah, cause, okay. So anyway, postmortem photography, it does still exist, but it's pretty much a niche industry. Mm-hmm. Unless you count caskies, which I was unaware existed until reading for the show. A caskey is exactly what it sounds like. A selfie taken with a casket at a funeral. That's fucking right. I'm serious. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a big thing. You fucking knew that? I, well, I didn't know that that was the name, but like, there's a lot of things I've seen. like People online getting their last picture with their dead homie at the, uh, in the casket. To anyone thinking of taking a caskey or currently in the act of taking a caskey, do the world a favor and please put down your phone. Crawl into the casket and allow yourself to be buried with a corpse. <laughs> you awful wretch. That's what I have to fucking say. Anyway, moving Everyone on. Everyone grieves differently. That's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Though the caskey is one of the more despicable things I've come across recently, early postmortem photography was birthed uh, with the, only the most noble and compassionate intentions. Not only that, but we can directly thank Victorian death photography for for propelling the medium forward into what photography is today. I need a glass of water. You sound like me. Oh, I haven't had enough seltzer. Oh, my tea's all gone. Mm. But anyway, early photos for the first 15-ish years of their existence started in the early 1840s. And they were called, I'm going to fucking butcher this, uh, daguerreotypes uh, after their inventor, Louis Daguerre. <laughs> Where was he from? Was actually yes, it was after their inventor Louis Daguerre, the bird-boned Frenchman, directly, <laughs> <laughs> indirectly responsible for the casky. The daguerreotype used mercury fumes to record images onto sheets of silver-plated copper. The invention was one of necessity, as Louis Daguerre uh, was finding. <laughs> pa- <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll do that again. As Louis Daguerre was finding painting portraits of his fellow countrymen difficult, as they would typically drift off from the stool where he had been posed midway through the portrait, as most Frenchmen at the time weighed slightly less than seven ounces. <laughs> Now, if you think that folks' knee-jerk reaction 180-ish years ago at the advent of photography was to use it as a permanent record forever celebrating life and day-to-day bliss, then you're fucking dumb. That's definitely not what happened. This was the 1840s, and all people did was die. And they, <laughs> and they, I, I think they did other things, but... Yeah, they made bracelets out of their own hair. Uh, not, only, <laughs> not only were people just dying from typical everyday horribleness, but this first decade of the daguerreotype saw a crippling cholera epidemic blanket its way across Europe and the Americas. So naturally, early photos were mostly focused on death. In fact, according to an article from The Atlantic, quote, photographers recorded deaths and marriages by a ratio of three to one. Whoa. Yeah. And sure, this is a real fucking bummer and all. But the intention of post-mortem photography was to preserve the memory and image of a loved one at a time when memories faded and how someone's face looked could be lost forever, even to those who were closest to them. Death when life expectancy was like 45 yeah, years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They just fucking died. That's all he did. Uh, 
Uh, death photography can follow a direct line of lineage back centuries to death masks. Yep, excuse me. Um, casts of the recently deceased taken to preserve their image in the form of like statues or busts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we take it for granted now that when we lose someone we love, we probably got hundreds or maybe even thousands of photos of that person that we can look at whenever we like. Mm-hmm. We can see their faces, touch a photo in a frame, and remember them. That wasn't always the case. And if you're wondering why most early photos of dead people and not just folks out and about having a blast, it was a pretty simple answer. Cost. Oh, yeah. They were fucking expensive. We're talking silver-plated copper sheets, not a goddamn Polaroid. So mid-century saw average photo prices at around $2 a pop. That's about $60 yeah, in today's that's, that's money. Yeah, there. Not absolutely insane, but that's just one photo. And this is at a time when nearly everyone was dirt floor poor. They were, they were more worried about not starving to death, uh, dying from cholera, or getting trampled to death by a fucking horse or however so they fucking died. Um, <laughs> as, uh, uh, cut themselves shaving and right. it gets infected. As such, uh, most folks would only ever have one photo taken of themselves over the course of their often too short life, and they were usually dead for it. Add to this a scarcity of equipment, photographers, studios, and, at least in America, sometimes hundreds of miles of travel to just Get to the photographer, and you can see how a simple how a simple picture was a luxury that a lot of folks just couldn't afford. So you die. That was a big to do. Oh fuck yeah! Uh, so you die. Your family would dress you up all nice like, and you get your picture taken, and not like lying down in a casket, but propped up, yep. uh, posed as lifelike as they could manage. Oftentimes, eerie-looking eyes would be painted over the lids of the deceased, meant to add a lifelike quality to the corpse, but more often than not, ended up looking more like the googly-eyed face that Mandy did up around my herniated belly button. (laughs) I still think of the fucking eye patch the one McPoyle has with the lazy eye drawn on it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't want to be insensitive, but like looking at some of these pictures, like, they didn't put a lot of effort no, in. I'm no. sure. It's like, oh, that guy's looked like that. <laughs> it's just like this <laughs> fucking pink dot. Uh, anyway, death photography at the time was a great comfort to the people that could. It's hard for me to go to say that, and then I'm trying to be compassionate yeah. at the same time as I'm walking a fine line, <laughs> and I'm not doing very good at it. I'm veering this way, yeah. that way. That's Anyway, right. death photography at the time was a great comfort to the people that could afford it. But looking through photos now, oh boy, it's fucking creepy. Aside from the painted on eyes, you've got to keep in mind that a lot of the surviving photos are of children and babies. We've talked at length here about how often kids died, like in a lot of the time periods that we cover, but it's a whole different beast to actually see them dead. Uh, The Thanatos, if I'm pronouncing it wrong, I'm sorry. The Thanatos Archive is an excellent resource if you'd like to see some of these images yourself. And don't don't mind subscribing to just one more Patreon. Uh, it is uncomfortable, however. Uh, I'd imagine even more so if you have kids. So be warned. I, I won't go into the myriad ways that kids could die in the 1840s beyond stillbirth, but it does call to mind one of the most insane passages that I've ever read about how many interesting ways children could meet their ends in a book, um, The Indifferent Stars Above, which I've mentioned a hundred fucking times. Yes. I won't be able to top that in one page. So do yourselves a favor... Like the biggest favor ever, and read it today. But yeah, he has a great passage. On, it's a whole page of the ways children could die. I think you showed me that. I probably did. Yeah. So what adds even more gravity to these photos is that a lot of the time, the child's mother, and sometimes both parents, are there with them. They're some of the saddest images I've ever seen. I cannot help but 
imagine a grief-stricken, howling Tony Collette via Hereditary trying to compose herself for the long exposure required to capture such a powerful image. And speaking of exposure, one of the most striking things about death photography is the image quality of the deceased. This is really cool. Um, this is even more readily apparent when the corpse is propped up and posed with the living, uh, even with their entire family sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like I said, these early images required a long exposure to capture the image, meaning that the subjects needed to be as still as possible for an extended period of time. Anyone who's ever had an MRI or a CAT scan knows that this can be a challenge, to say the least. Mm -hmm. So while the living always just have a slight blur to them, looking just a little bit out of focus, the dead, who can no longer move a muscle, come out crystal clear. It's a really chilling effect that just looks off. Like It took me a few seconds to figure out what it was that was just so unnerving about the photos, and I think that was it. Like I looked at, a ton, obviously I looked at a shit ton of them, but like some of the big families, mm -hmm. They don't, t like, just to look through and be like, all right, which one's fucking dead? Well, who's the daddy? And it's the one that's the sharpest. Yeah. It's so it makes fucking, sense. it's weird. Anyway, so speaking of unnerving, uh, having your $2 and your dead husband, wife, baby, uncle, what have you, didn't necessarily mean that you'd absolutely come out the other end with a horrifying daguerreotype to treasure forever. Just the process of getting the photo taken was a risk in itself. First of all, just getting to the studio could be deadly. You'd make yourself a target by dressing in your finest garb and having $2 on you. And remember. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Again, from the fashion episode, that women's dresses alone often saw them tangled in the wheels of passing wagons and dragged to their deaths. Which, I guess in the long run, did save the family another $2. As they was the more... <laughs> They're already on their yeah, way. The more recently Prop dead, up. They can always share the photo. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> silver lining, right? Yeah. And that's just getting to the studio. Please remember that the daguerreotype was a brand new technology whose core bits required flash powders and extremely flammable chemicals surrounded by billowy dresses in quite often a wooden building. It wasn't unheard of for freak fires to consume the apparatus, injuring or sometimes killing the operator, or even just flat out burning the studio to the ground. But despite these risks people still flocked to these studios to get photos taken of their dead relatives. They still saved up hard-earned cash that could, be, that could have gone to food, clothes, necessities. But instead, they went towards a thin sheet of copper, plated with an even thinner layer of silver, and overlaid with the, the face... Oh, I fucked it up again. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> plated with an even thinner layer of silver, and overlaid with the face of someone that they loved very, very much. They'd store it away safe and take it out whenever they felt moved to do so. And unlike your phone, the reaction that produced or yeah, the reaction that produced a daguerreotype had a byproduct. Texture. Meaning that a grieving oh, mother, yeah. father, whoever, could run their fingers over that face whenever they liked. So how do you feel about your fucking caskies now? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, a whole thing. Yeah, that's um I, I guess that's Kind of a hobby. I, well, Listen. It's more of an event. Listen to I'll me. Give, I'll give it to you. I'll give it. I'll, you know what? I'll give it to you. Thank you. Because yeah. I fucking found it on a goddamn list of hobbies. You know how I am with lists. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you love them. And technically, anything I did today, anything. Is a win. Is a hobby. That's because true. Because I'm doing it for my fucking hobby. You're doing you know this for your pleasure. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's why I'm not wearing any pants. Tough shit ribbed for your pleasure. <laughs> No, it's, I've like I've known about that for a while, but 
like as soon as I started going through stuff, like, well, oh, Victorians, I'm like, oh, yeah, no shit. Yeah. It's pretty fucking wild. Well, it was, like you said, with the death, it was so common that, yeah, you could go get pictures a lot more often than probably people do now, I'd imagine. That's just, I mean, it's just like, we think of photography now, like, you just, we think, like, everybody just take fuck 2,000 pictures on your phone. And yeah. it's more. For okay, minus like war journalism and shit like that. Like yeah. you know, there are there's some horrifying things that people take photos of that then like, bring a lot of power injustices yeah. to light. But for the most part, you're just taking fuck like Picture three dinner. pictures last night after dinner. We stood outside, took pictures of each other. And that like it's just weird to think back to the time when this was new and that the first thought was like, We're gonna have lots of photos yeah. of dead babies. Yeah. And that not only that, <laughs> but like this is the first like really light subject I think we picked, or technically could have been light. Hobbies. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. And it's the first time dark. that I somehow immediately went to dead kids. I don't know why. And I've been looking at them for two weeks. Uh, well, <laughs> for two weeks. Like, yeah, I've been looking at a lot of pictures. And like, it uh, was interesting. Like some of these photographers add they, that to your list. Um, talking talking about like <laughs> this is this is just sad. Like getting knocks at their doors from uh, new mothers with stillborn kids. Uh, like it was like their first kind of reaction was like as soon as that kid like dead needed they got remember a it. Yeah. Yep. Well, also there was I, I don't think well embalming probably wasn't what it was now. So, I don't know. I don't yeah, think sure bodies last. No, you had to do it fast. Yeah. Um, and I know that I there's a market now for people taking photos with stillborn babies. I believe it. It's, it still happens. Like I said everyone grieves different. You don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, I do mean, you take pictures with all your fucking giant turds that you're so proud of? I'm not proud of any of them. <laughs> once that fucker's <laughs> a little I, a little bit of you dies every week. Once I flush, I forget about it. It's a fresh <laughs> slate for me. Every time I go to the bathroom. <laughs> I just <laughs> pictured it, the old-timey thing. You're standing there with a super crisp picture of a turd. You're a little blurry. I'm all blurry because I've just been shaking my head the whole time. Like, no, no. It's <laughs> so fucked. Every time I flush the toilet, in my head, I've never pooped or peed in my life. <laughs> I'm a new car, you know? Okay. <laughs> when I go, so, to- all right, all right, all right. Before you get into that, all right. So that ends your story. Yeah, pretty that's, much. That's a perfect segue to what I was gonna announce. Oh, okay. So as you started to ramble about how you taking a shit is a new car or something to that effect. Oh, I see what you're doing here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're leading into the next thing. So. <clears throat> As you well notice, it has been a long time since we put on a new full episode. They seem to take more time now. We don't have as much free time on and on, make more excuses, whatever. I get it. So this being the hobby episode, we've both noted that this podcast is indeed a hobby for the two of us. We enjoy doing it. Love doing it a lot. Um, I think for myself, I, I, like, I, I talked to you off air about this, how... It was starting to get rigid. I mean, for the last two years, it was like month, episode, soft serve. But then in the last few months, is like we got more busy. We got other things going on. I started to lose, I don't say interest, but I started to lose a little bit of a spark because it was starting to feel like work. And it's like it's a hobby. Before I let this hobby turn into golf, we're just going to take it back a little bit. It's going to be a hobby. 
and you're still going to get tough shit episodes. But the big announcement is. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about a golf podcast. Uh-huh. We just give you a golf club and you just smash the fuck out of everything. And that is something that you might hear in our newest series that's going to be the filler show. There's no soft serve, no talking shit. Every month, every other month, you're going to get a talking shit episode. And then in between, you're going to get Mind Camper. Which is, Which is just my therapy show, apparently. Yep, yep. I been, Corey made me aware of this like a couple hours ago. Yeah, like, he's we just still processing it. it. And like, um, we're, we're still working out we, the details. We keep changing the format up over. Well, I guess not so much the main ones, but we keep trying different stuff. Trying we to try do different things, different and, filler uh, shows. Th- so, yeah, we're, this is just going to be a combination of everything. And the way Corey explained it to me, I think of Mind Camper. I just think of my head, what's going on. So my knee Which jerk- is a fucking insane. I like just imagine poking my head, like peeking into your brain and being like, dear God, how do I digest this? So I, yeah. I see Mind Camper as the madness that is your brain. I need a relief valve. Yeah. And, and I don't me wanna, helping you work through you. I don't want to have to like fill every main episode <laughs> with me just going on about, I don't know, whatever weird thing I'm doing in the bathroom. So this will be. A little out, it'll be a relief valve. Yeah. I can just, I don't know, which I realize I'm kind of doing right now. So perfect. But we're going to do the first one next month. We're going to see what happens. It might take a few of them before we kind of get the swing of things. But get an we're idea. Do something, yeah. Uh, it's going to be something different. And then we expect another full episode after that. Yes. Which I'm super excited about because we might have, we got a couple ideas we're kicking around. Yeah. Yeah. We got some ideas. We I still have got a notebook projects. with 60 things wrote in it. Subjects, not words. I mean, they are words. Uh-huh. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> See, because I know, like, uh, knowing Christopher, uh, that mind camper of his, it just doesn't end. There's just notes and stories and things that go on in his brain. He'll randomly text me throughout the week with something that's just completely off the wall. And I feel things like that need to get shared with the world. I got really stupid notes right in front of me. I had this whole thing on here about how I was going to tell you that today's my skinny day because <laughs> I had pizza last night. And whenever I have pizza at night, I'm always thinner the next day. And that is a fact, my friend. Wait, that, how? I think I've mentioned this before. I've told you this before. I don't know how. I don't know how. But okay. who knows anything about the human body? I am <laughs> skinnier. Doctors do. And you know what? Write a fucking question in. I don't care if you're Yeah, a if you got a doctor. question for Mind Camper, send it in. <laughs> My sister's a registered dietitian. She yeah. can't explain it to me. I am thinner the day after pizza. So, like, if I ignored, let's say, give me one second, okay? All right, let's Hypothetical. Let's say doctors didn't exist, all right? There's nobody telling you you can't eat pizza. But I eat a whole bunch of different foods, and on the days I eat pizza, I'm, like, thinner and toner looking the next day, logic would then lead me to believe that pizza is good for me. No, there's got to be some other excuse. Well, some I don't know other what explanation as to why you're thinner and feel leaner. I'm not sure. Is it like super? I, I don't even know. It doesn't matter what kind of pizza it is. Usually the day Any after, kind of I'm like bloated and greasy. I felt great. It was a margarita pizza, huh. which I was saying earlier before the show is the snootiest pizza because it's where <laughs> they take those little mozzarella dots. And it's mostly sausage. Doop, doop. Doop, doop, drop them around yeah, they yeah. a little bit, but it's mostly just sauce. Hmm. It was still pretty good, though. Okay. I think that's all I got. <laughs> that's a sample of something you're going to hear on Mind Camper. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that was the quick announcement. Um, 
as I said, still going to do full episodes. That isn't going away. Uh, it's just going to be every other month. And with that, uh, I'm going to end out the show. Oh, okay. No, I'm not going to say anything else. I'm going to save it. Yeah, save now it. Now that I Absolutely. know that we're going to talk about it. I be- because we still do ramble and sidetrack during the main episodes for a little filler, which is fine, a little bit here and there. Oh, I heard you got another But the idea. times we get rolling on fucking... Okay. Yeah, you need to just keep, keep a it, notepad no, I'm keeping with it you. In. I'm keeping it in. Yeah. I'm keeping it in. All right. So on that note, thank you guys. Thanks for listening. Check us out. Hey, real quick thank you to Nick Dog. <laughs> <laughs> to Nick Dog. Why? He's the one who came up with that idea. He said, oh, hobbies. hobbies episode. Yeah. And I believe, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Because we were uh, at the traditional archery shoot, which is another one of our hobbies. And he said, you guys should do an episode on hobbies. It's like, yeah, that's a real Yeah, good I really idea. had a lot of fun with this one. So thank you, Nick Dog. Yes. Thank you. All right, so try that again. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Check us out on Instagram at TS Podcast Official. Um, yeah, send us your questions, Google, Gmail, whatever the fuck it is. Uh, tough shit the podcast at gmail.com. You can send us questions. You can send Chris something if he wants to read it on Mind Camper. Just stupidness. That would be fun, I think. Hey, if anybody think, has any real post-mortem photos they've done recently, do send not them. send them. <laughs> do not send your fucked up shit to our email. All right. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you on the next one. All right. Bye, everybody. But wait, bye. bye. Wait, do you say bye for now? No, you. I say bye for now. You say bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye for now. Mm.